Does everybody know what time it is? It's time to make like Hillary Swank in the 2003 motion picture The Core, because we're going to get roll, roll deep. <laughs> That's right. It's grunt work. Grunt, 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 shorty, it's your birthday. We're going to say, Marty, like it's your birthday. We're grunting in the club, bottle full of bub, because we are celebrating three years of grunt work, the only podcast about the TV show Home Improvement that has your name on the VIP list. <laughs> As always, I am Landon, song and dance man Solano, joined always by my co-host, Truman, putting on the ripped caps. Truman, I think I've used that nickname for you before. Uh, but regardless, it's good to see you. Uh, well, thank you, Landon. It's good to be seen. Uh, and I think I've made the same response to it before, that the only thing I'm putting on a Ritz is some peanut butter or maybe some cream cheese. Um, and <laughs> I would uh, I would recommend some goat cheese at some point. Oh, God. I would rec- – yeah, you know what? I'd, I'd recommend goat cheese anytime. If I could walk – if I could walk the approximately two blocks <laughs> to the massive and well-appointed cheese section at my – uh, supermarket that is filled with human beings and not a safe place to be, I would get some goat cheese right now. <laughs> and I think all this talk of goat cheese and peanut butter is obscuring the most salient point from your intro, which is that three years. Yeah. Oh, my God, Landon. Congratulations. <laughs> so I don't know that uh, this episode marks the exact date of our three-year anniversary, but um, it's within uh, – Three years ago to the day, we were at least strategizing, what does this podcast look like? Are we, we, you know, had, we had little naive eyes looking at the world of like, this'll be a fun thing that we try for a little bit. Yeah. Uh, not realizing that it would be a five-year endeavor, uh, making us learn the nuance <laughs> and details of home improvement, unlike any other person on earth. I think we knew that it was like, because I, I think we did the math early on, or you did at least of like, oh, it'll, it's going to be, there's this many episodes of home improvement. We do episodes this often. And, oh yeah, I guess if we did this, it would take us like a few years to get through. And I think both of us in the back of our head were like, yeah, but we'll either, we'll either wind up just not doing the podcast or we'll just like lose interest in it pretty quickly because no one will listen to it because it won't be good <laughs> and in, instead it was it, it wasn't good but people did listen to it and we didn't lose interest <laughs> uh we didn't lose interest yeah i think that's the main key i mean, I mean the main key is that people are listening and uh it just shows how uh important listeners are to continuing a project but uh i'm shocked that even you know, even though sometimes scheduling or or trying to fit an episode in when we're both really busy can get challenging, I've not lost uh, the the passion, or I still find this super fun every time we do it. Yes, even in the episodes that we don't like, I enjoy <laughs> the process of doing you know the recording of our our show. You know, it is it is a great pretext to hang out and have a conversation with a good friend more than anything else. And and I think yeah. as we've both learned as hypercritical uh, movie snobs, uh, not liking a thing <laughs> is almost as much fun as liking a thing when you can discuss why it's not good. Like like Frazier and Niles said, yeah. the only thing better than a perfect meal is an almost perfect meal with one uh, flaw, which you can discuss <laughs> endlessly. <laughs> That is perfect. And 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 as we've learned from Home Improvement, episodes are usually almost perfect and have only one flaw in them. So it's really it's really great for us. <laughs> I think us. it's the inverse of that. I think they're usually 
quite flawed and have like one perfect moment in it uh, and it's usually from al yes usually yeah it's 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 just a, it's a matter of whether al or jill is going to be the one who gets the perfect moment for the episode <laughs> uh but what do you what do you think we should do for our three-year anniversary i think we should open this up and celebrate for the next i don't know a couple weeks next month i don't hey yeah. man, we're in quarantine why let's let's milk this thing let's uh Let's put some stuff out there for people. I think we should call the first thing we should do to we should call our three year celebration Marty Grunt um, or Marty, Marty Grunt. Grunt. <laughs> in stereo in literal stereo. <laughs> oh god! See now, here's the thing. Since one of our patrons, Farah, uh, yeah. has started the official Marty count for our episodes, I'd be very a. I think we have to make it as challenging for her as Tim makes it for you. Uh, and B, I'd be curious what her criteria is. Uh, just as you are only counting Tim's grunts, is she only counting Truman's grunt, uh, Truman's Marty's? Uh, or is she also counting my Marty's? Uh, it, it, and is it only Marty? Or if I just say Marty, does that count as a Marty? I, I think that the that, that now that we are we are bringing up all of the intricacies and complications of counting the number of times a person says or does a thing, she's going to realize just what a thankless and horrible task it truly is. <laughs> <laughs> it's the worst kind of educational experience. Uh, absolutely. And you know what? That's for her to set the criteria for. Uh, should she continue to do it? Uh, I do not envy uh, her doing that, and I also don't condone it, but uh, we can't stop her from... Uh, from from doing the things she does, yeah, uh, yeah. as that uh, Oneider song once uh, said. <laughs> well, everybody's everybody's just on back on board the that thing you do train these days, aren't they? <laughs> um. So yeah, I I think we should open it up to listeners yeah. and hear from you. What uh you know we could do a, a special movie episode. We can uh I don't know what. What should we do, guys? Yeah. Uh, you tell us. You let us know what you want. Um, otherwise, you're going to get, like, Hudsucker Proxy. Yeah, yeah. So, <laughs> really, you I... have adamantly voted against that. <laughs> we have put that out there in numerous polls, and no one has ever voted Hudsucker Proxy. So, I'm going to encourage all of you to not take part in uh, in the democratic <laughs> process. Do not tell us what you want us to do, because then that way we get to do the only thing I ever want to do, which is watch Hudsucker Proxy, even though not watching it at New Year's is perverse and wrong. Oh, God. Well, uh, I think we got to continue this conversation. But for the sake of this episode, uh, let's let's push along. We for, for watch the, for the sake of this con yeah. for, for the sake of this podcast, which is just us having conversations about things. Let's change the subject. <laughs> well, uh, we we usually keep the subject. Uh, we, we have a topic that we keep it tied to at the very least, which is home improvement. Yes. The TV show. Yes. Oh, Lord. And uh, we watched an episode this week. Again, it's it's a, anyone's game as to um, whether or not we watched the first uh, the same episode until we uh, actually talk about it. Here. <laughs> so let's find out if we watch the same episode by having you give us a synopsis of what you watch. OK, fingers crossed. Let's see if we got it right. <laughs> uh, when Harry's wife, Dolores, takes a more active role in running the hardware store, Tim and the guys are so incensed at her female antics that they persuade Harry to fire her, which results in the two of them splitting up. Although Harry seems outwardly happy, a newly insightful Tim suspects that Harry is actually very broken up about it. So after some advice from Wilson, he goes to Dolores' diner to convince her to take him back. Also, country star Alan Jackson sings a song about how much he loves Mercury cars for some reason. 
That's the 90s. And and that is the 90s. And that's the episode we watched, hopefully, right? (laughs) That is the episode we watched. Do you want to guess that title? Uh, Yes, I do, Landon. I want to very much. Um, I have three options for you today. Um, okay. And and we'll just see. I mean, I genuinely want to do well in the Chalupa Challenge. I don't think I'm going to, but I still think these are all great titles, and I'm not going to let that. I have questions about the Chalupa Challenge, um, but let, let's have you guess your title first, and then I'll bring up the question, and we can make a decision together. Okay, okay. Uh, first option, Deep Timpact. <laughs> God, okay. <laughs> right? But... But it's funny though. Um, <laughs> second, second option: no uh-huh. hardware feelings. Okay, I, I that actually sounds like what would be a home improvement title, except way better. So, yeah. Uh, points for accuracy. Thank you. And the last one: uh, love store e. Because it's the hardware store. I should have done marriage store e, but I think I've already tried a marriage story reference in the past. Oh, man. Uh, I, I enjoy those last two uh, quite a bit. Um, so let me give you a hint mm-hmm. uh, to see if we can't get you right on the right track here. Uh, yes. The thing is, I got to find the right hint because this is going to be too easily guessable um, otherwise. So it's a pl- the title is a play on a popular movie, and you almost touched on it in your synopsis. Oh, uh, hmm. When Harry met Dolores? Oh, close. Very, very close. Uh, it's when Harry kept Dolores. Ah, fuck. Not, <laughs> I mean, not not the best home improvement. I expected a little better from you, but uh, okay. So, according to you, would you have gotten that for the Chulupa Challenge? According to me, no, I, I don't I, I don't think that counts for the Chulupa Challenge. Like, Okay, well then that... that uh, alleviates the rest of the questions I have about the Chalupa Challenge in this episode in that we don't have any guest stars or we do, but he's not credited. We have a customer in the diner uh, who has some really funny moments but uh, he's not mentioned in the cast list at all, so uh, we have a character actor controversy again. Ooh, a, mi- a mystery character actor. Well, maybe he played a John Doe body on ER or something, so it still could count. <laughs> maybe, but we'll never know. We'll never, never know. And we can't count Alan Jackson because he's part of Cameo Corner, but we'll get there in due time. Yeah. Uh, I do want to mention this episode was released February 20th, 1996, directed yet again by Mr. Andy Cadiff, and written by uh, that familiar name, Mr. John Vandergriff. Oh, John Vandergriff, just just out there doing the doing the hard work of making home improvement happen. <laughs> How did you feel about this episode? Um, you know, <sighs> let me rephrase the question: Can you call this a full episode? I mean, look, there are there are aspects of it. This is more of a full episode than, say, the last episode, which was just kind of stuff happening to fill in the space not filled by astronauts. But um, there were aspects in this that were promising that I thought I would have liked to have seen filled out more had we not had to have a country and western concert for like four minutes at the top. <laughs> like, I I don't know. I think that um, I, I really like this the the notion of Tim becoming deeper and more insightful and more emotionally in tune and not like the idea that Jill's psychology classes are kind of rubbing off on him and he's learning things. (laughs) I, 
uh-huh. I find that genuinely enjoyable to watch and kind of funny. Okay. Um, we'll break that open uh, in the actual episode, but uh, I, I have a notes on that as well. And, um, you know, I, I, but I also think that, uh, and I also think that Dolores, well, actually, no, Dolores as, as uh, Dolores working at the hardware store is stuff that I want to crack open in the episode as well. So I'll leave that. I would just say that okay. for an episode that is supposedly so much about Harry and what Harry is feeling, Tim spends very little time talking to Harry about his feelings. And it's almost and like a big, the audience spends very little time with Harry and Dolores. Yeah, no, absolutely none. Like all this major shit happens off, off camera. So, um, it's just sort of, my question to you is, yeah. do you, do you need, do you like having closure? I mean, I guess it would be <laughs> nice. Wouldn't it? It'd be, you know, uh, uh, audiences can have a little closure as a treat. Like that's, that's sort of my view. <laughs> it's, I don't know, the, the last, the middle of the season has been not unenjoyable, but very confounding in terms of narrative structure. Uh, I, I, I can't, what do you think is going on in the writer's room during this time? I, like, are they just kind of tying a bunch of, like, loose ends of stories that they couldn't fit into previous seasons to, like, skate through here? Was there a writer's strike at <laughs> some point where they couldn't do additional passes on scripts? I mean, it just... None of any of the stories, A, B, C, none of them feel like they're ever coming to conclusion. Like Mark, Mark's flying lesson is the only conclusion we've gotten to a story in a while. I, I, you know, honestly, what I think is what happened is is that the, um, I think the writers had these scripts all figured out and then, and maybe they were even, maybe they even had shot them and then, but then like, astronauts or or alan jackson reached out to home improvement like hey we're a big fan can we can we do a bit on your show or like the network reaches out and says Uh hey nasa is interested or hey alan jackson is interested can we fit this in the producers are like this is great we can promote this heavily let's just throw it into this episode and then they either just and they just truncate the episode or it's like so either this either this happens Uh before they're shooting and it's like let's rewrite the script to try and accommodate this, and it just doesn't work out very well, and the writers have been protesting right. the whole time. I want to give them just that lop credit. off Act Three. Yeah, basically, yeah. Take off the most <laughs> consequential act, or or it's like the epi- the the story bits have already been shot, and then they just edit it, which is why then we yeah. get like we get these weird bits and bobs in the uh, in the bloops at the end. Bits and bobs and yeah, bloops. Yeah. Um, I, so that's, that's what I think is that it's like production. I, I think that these are constraints being placed on them by production. Cause I don't want to, okay. I don't want like, cause I, I don't want to, I don't want to tell, say that the writers are doing something wrong. I think the writers are just trying to keep their jobs and the production, the production yeah. now it's like, Oh, this is one of the biggest shows on TV. Let's shoehorn all of this, uh, promotional right, crap right. in there. I don't know. What do you think? I, I mean, I, that sounds as good of an explanation as any, um, my thought was what kind of I pitched at the beginning, which is just they are trying to fill out episodes now that they're in syndication. I wonder if that's like for writers or producers on a TV show, if syndication is kind of like getting tenure at a university if you're a teacher oh, yeah. or a faculty member, where it's just like, oh, we've got syndication now, so I can just kind of breathe a little easier. Um, I don't want to you know, say that the writers aren't doing their job or doing it well, but you know, there's been a, a definite shift since uh, the syndication episode, uh, and including the syndication episode, where it's just like, 
okay, you're just kind of skating by on placing char- familiar characters in, you know, unfamiliar situations or even familiar situations for that point well, and not really exploring a lot of the depths of the character with it. Well, it's like, imagine though, if you are a Daniel Day Lewis type and you've been drilling for oil for a while and really like looking for that oil and getting all dirty. And uh, then you, you strike oil and you've begun drinking the other person's milkshake and you're getting fabulously wealthy <laughs> because look, everybody like it is like tenure like all of these writers based on their contracts with the show in syndication they're all just gonna be they're all still getting paychecks from this one like when they showed that clip in the black mirror episode that inspired us to make this podcast everybody who wrote (laughs) for home improvement got a check for like 30 bucks or something like i I don't know about maybe disney does but i know that there have been contractual uh disputes regarding the show which is why there have been so many issues with bringing it to streaming services and keeping it on streaming services so I, i might just want to put that out there to say that might not be the case uh just for you know uh fact checking purposes but um i hear what you're saying i get your point though uh and you know i guess if i were in their situation it would be very similar if i've been working on writing a character like Tim Al- or, uh, Tim Taylor for five years, I'd be like, okay, well, you know, how do we get through this episode? <laughs> and, and, you know, also, there's only really so much you can do with uh, with a sitcom. Yeah, you know, with the sitcom, there's only really so much you can do before you get to the point where you're just rehashing stuff. But then about, yeah. about the time that the show has lo- run out of gas in terms of new stuff that can be done is also the time when the show becomes very profitable to keep running. Like, about that four- or five-year mark (laughs) is when any show is out of new ideas, but also then when that show has built enough audience that there is demand for it to never stop. Yeah, so there's that's true. That's an interesting challenge, I would think, as a a creative person on a TV show. Yeah, yeah, you know, I mean, look, Cheers uh, Cheers ran headlong into that. They had a couple of weak seasons after after season five, but then they were able to write the ship again, and, you know... Well, I want to just correct you real quick. It wasn't headlong, it was Shelley Long. Oh, oh, Landon, that's good comedy right there. Uh, <laughs> cheers to you, I say. Um, oh, man. Uh, well, let's get into the main episode. Maybe we'll break open uh, some of these questions and get some answers uh, doing that. But before we do, I want to take a second to uh, thank some of our uh, our Al Pal and other uh, Patreon supporters um, and I want to take a moment here. Yeah. Uh, during during these challenging times, you know, we're trying to, uh, you know, keep you from thinking about everything. Uh, a nice distraction for an hour and a half or two hours or however long we tend to ramble. Wait, wait, it goes too long to the to the point that people are like, I wish they'd stop talking about home improvement so I could think about the catastrophe again. <laughs> Uh, but I want to mention, you know, I don't want to divulge too many details about our supporters, but I do know that there is, uh, at least one person who is a mail carrier and, Mm. uh, still going from house to house out there, um, delivering mail during all of this nonsense and putting themselves at risk. So, uh, to me, it's very important. And, you know, there might be other people too, that have similar, you know, frontline jobs that, you know, we would absolutely want to thank. But since I know that this person has that job, I want to extend a very special thank you, um, for being out there and delivering, uh, the mail so that people can (laughs) get their, you know, packages and their letters and, uh, 
Um, you know, bills too, for that matter. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> during during this time, maybe maybe lose a couple of those bills uh, on on the way. <laughs> but uh, no, no. Seriously, we do, we do uh, we do appreciate your uh, your service trudging around the uh, icy uh, icy expanse of the Midwest at this point in time when it's yeah. when there's even more hazards out there than normal. Thank you. Or or the the desert plains as well. Uh, where, you know, I'm not giving away any information of where this person might. Uh, might be located. They might be on the moors of uh, of Scotland. They might be in the forests of Japan. Um, they might be on Andorra's forest moon. It could be an Ewok male <laughs> male bear. You know, anything is possible. Exactly, anything is possible. Uh, so that's just. I wanted to put a, a special thank you out there uh, to that person, uh, that particular uh, supporter. Uh, if you also have a frontline job, let us know because we we want to. Um, extend our thanks to you. But uh, as far as the the people's names, I want to thank uh, Tom. I want to thank Tara. I want to thank Kirsty. I want to thank John. And I want to thank John. Thank you, all of you. Every last one of you. Thank you. <laughs> and that sounded you insincere, make... but I actually meant it. <laughs> uh, that's uh, good. I'm glad uh, you meant that. We're getting better cool. and better at this. Getting better and better at expressing <laughs> gratitude to the people we love. Well, with that, uh, let's let's let them see what they what their money is going toward and get into the uh, crux of this episode. Yeah. Yeah, let's. So we start off with uh, Tim and Al sitting in the tool time audience. And Tim is. Yes. Why is Tim wiggling around the way that he is? Why is he doing that? <laughs> I I don't know, uh, to be perfectly honest with you. Uh, he does seem to be starting this episode from such a finicky, f- frustrated, maybe, I don't know, you ever, I guess it's it's the winter, so it wouldn't necessarily be too hot, and you wouldn't be, like, sweating if you ever got, uh, you know, I don't want to be too descriptive, but sometimes, you, you know, it can get uncomfortable if you're sweating down your back and it drips lower than that. Ew. Uh, things get... Ew. <laughs> Was this the first place that you went to? There were a million other other excuses we could have for why Tim is behaving the way he is. But you have to go sweat dripping down his, his crack. That's no fun. Uh, listen, I, I exist in a hot apartment. I and I have to uh, – it's the first place my mind goes. Yeah, yeah. Okay, well, that's that's uh, that's good. I exist in a, in a perfectly temperature-controlled apartment, so I am going to be the straight man <laughs> for all of these bits now, unlike when we record in person. Um – but yeah, Tim is Tim is wriggling around in excitement or discomfort. Why? Why? Why do you think he's wriggling around? I, I I don't know. I kind of assumed that it was just like he's either excited about the car that they're about to introduce, or that Al is like Al is doing something that's upset him. But I couldn't figure out what. Just that they have to be so close together and like touch thighs while they're sitting on those folding chairs. Yeah, and that he hasn't been able to make a single joke about Al's mom this whole time. <laughs> uh, that's weird. Yeah, we did go through a whole Tool Time episode without an Al's mom joke. That's interesting. Strange times. Um, yeah. Anyway, they, they're they here to announce that they have a very special guest on today's episode of Tool Time. And as they uh, unpark their butts from the seats and walk down through the audience... They go to a, uh, uh, I guess, how would you describe it? It's kind of like when we had the man's kitchen and they had those big uh, reveal doors shielding the entire tool time set. Yeah, yeah. They uh, they pull those open to reveal a beautifully restored old car that is... That is... <laughs> a 1950 customized Mercury. Yeah, that's the one I did not get. I did not hear them say that, although I guess I could have guessed based on the content of the upcoming song. 
Uh, and Tim just starts going off about the amazingness of this car, and Al has to chime in and goes, no, 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 no. Uh, the car isn't the special guest. It's the man who owns the car, CMA's entertainment uh, entertainer of the year, Mr. Uh, uh, another fellow Al. He mentions yeah, like I, two episodes in a row. Very, <laughs> and he's equally excited about this. Like, this is becoming a new yeah. big part of his character, that he's delighted when anyone else has his name. <laughs> Uh, and musical guest, Alan Jackson. <laughs> and the not ready for tool time players. <laughs> so that's just Tim. Yes, basically. <laughs> okay, good. <laughs> Al is always uh, ready for tool time. Uh, Alan Jackson comes out uh, with his band, which is on the rotating stage, just like you're at a car convention. Or, or uh, like you're on uh, Austin Powers' bed on his jumbo jet. <laughs> exactly. Just continuing uh, with the joke from last time. <laughs> That's Randy Travis. Yeah. Randy Travis. Um, different different country yeah, I, star. Yeah. Anyway, my Alan former, my former roommate out. is named Travis, though, and he did bring a lot of girls home. So I'm con- I'm familiar with the concept of Randy Travis. <laughs> did he have a rotating bed? Uh, I don't – well, I don't know what happened to that bed. I did hear strange noises. I don't know if that was the bed <laughs> rotating. Got it. Got it. Uh, Alan Jackson comes out. Yep. And uh, immediately walks up to Tim. Tim – asks him a question about the car and Alan Jackson just goes silent for a good half a second <laughs> and then just goes, I thought you were taller than that. <laughs> right, let, let, oh, hold on. Let, I, I got to re, I refine my impression. Yeah. Here, yeah. Okay? Honky tonk. I, 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 I've nailed this. I've nailed this. Okay. Ready? Yeah. This is exactly what Alan Jackson sounds like in this episode. Uh, actually, give me, give me a prompt. Uh, I'm trying to remember what Tim exactly said. Uh, hell of a car you got there. Mr. Jackson sure looks great. I thought you told him that. Wow. Oh, my God. Goosebumps. <laughs> it's like I'm there right now with 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 Randy Jackson. I mean, I mean, uh, Al, Alan Jackson. <laughs> uh, he barely can get a line out of his mouth. I And I don't think it's, you know, because he's, you know, Southern or anything and that we can't understand the dialect. He literally mumbles uh, and I, I could I had a hard time discerning any of his lines. I, uh, I, I question to you. I think I think he's just I think he's just uh, he's so disappointed that it's like I want a CMA and this is what they make me do. <laughs> well, okay, so here's the question: uh, If we are ranking our tool time cameos, and you, all right, let me we need to do a little check in here. At this point, from everybody we've seen, who do you think is the worst? <laughs> We've uh, worst cameo performer that we've seen. Uh, it, 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 none of them can be worse than the Andretti brothers. I mean, because at really? least father, son. Yeah. Uh, yeah. The brothers. I think they, they come out like because <laughs> at least at least Alan Jackson does a song. And this I mean, it's a okay. country song that I don't like, but he at least is like, ah, a talent. I see the Andretti brothers. I get that they're good at driving a car in a circle and I don't want uh-huh. to diminish that at all in a circle but uh-huh. but they uh, but they just are like so wooden on set it begs the question of why they even thought they would be good on TV well then here's my question to you if they and oh god you almost had me doing it it's father son if no it's <laughs> not Landon teach the controversy <laughs> If Mario the father and Mar- Michael the son uh, were to perform their their talent of driving their car on an episode of Tool Time, would that help mitigate your opinion of them um, rather than putting them into like a comedy bit? Yeah, uh, Yes, actually, that, that would mitigate my opinion because then it would be like, okay, I get it. They're not good actors, but they bring this other special sauce to the show. 
Uh, yeah. But okay. but uh, which is what which is what Alan Jackson does. But no, them. It's just like I don't I don't know for sure that you two actually <laughs> drive a car. It just seems like you're two really bad actors who came out here on set for no reason. Oh man. Well, anyway, Michael 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 Jackson is here. Oh wow. Uh, uh, no, nothing wrong with that. <laughs> Why can't we get Alan Jackson's name right? I don't know. Um, I don't know. I, like I'm only getting it right because it's currently <laughs> up on my notes. As I scroll my notes down further, I'm gonna fuck this up he is here to perform a song and what song is that he's performing the song mercury uh and uh, which is the title you, track from the movie mercury rising starring nicholas cage <laughs> you alluded to and i want to i want to hone this a little bit um alluded to not recognizing the song before this uh played before he played it here yeah i did not recognize that's it. is that accurate that, that is accurate i didn't know i mean a i I don't know. I guess, A, I didn't really realize that Mercury was that old of a brand. I thought they only started making Mercuries in, like, the 80s and 90s. And then, B, I feel like... I think it, Yeah, I think it started maybe in the late 70s, but Mercury is definitely, like, an 80s and uh, 90s car. But oh, okay. It begs the question of wh- how and why is this a, a classic. Um, it does seem like it at least goes back to the 60s. Uh, based on my, you know, extensive knowledge on classic cars. Yeah, real gearhead. styles of them. Yeah. <laughs> uh, I, I mean, and also, it just, like, uh, the song, it was just like, is this is this just something that plays trade like, you know, half-off Mercury Month at your local Mercury dealership? Like, I, this seems like a song from a car. It's like <laughs> no, he wrote so, it for a car commercial. He did. He did, 100%. That, so this is the middle of the 90s when uh, car manufacturers, for some reason, were really trying to hone the the kind of southern or rural audiences mm-hmm. uh, for classic cars and trucks. So you have all of these, uh, like the Ford and eventually Dodge uh, song that co-opted it, the Lock a Rock. Whoa, Lock a Rock, yeah. The, the Bob Seger song, mm-hmm. uh, that was playing concurrently with this Mercury song that played on just about every goddamn commercial break uh, during primetime uh, during the 90s, do, do, at least for a few years. How likely is it that we cut away from this song to this song playing on a car commercial when this was originally <laughs> very, broadcast? Very likely. God, a, perf- a perfect trend. Now, there is a smooth transition for this show for once. <laughs> Uh, he calls it the Mercury Blues, um, and I want to. Okay, so uh, interesting that we've cracked open that you weren't familiar with the song, but I want to crack open, and you alluded to it already. Uh, country music in general, uh, yay! I'm, you can't see me anymore, but I'm doing thumbs up or thumbs down. Oh, uh, yeah, I don't want to say thumbs down because I mean I'm not giving thumbs down to like Johnny Cash, nor am I saying that like. Uh, well, Norm, I say that the genre is bad. I, I don't like it much, but I'm not saying it's there, because it's deficient in some way. It's just not really my scene. Yeah, well, there's a big difference, too, between country western, like the, the classic stuff of Cash and Patsy Cline and even original Hank Williams and Conway Twitty. Those people are like country western. Mm-hmm. And Alan Jackson's definitely of the like country pop movement I, uh, or country rock, yeah. which is... The more of the industry-based rather than the musician-based uh, approach. Well, I don't know. I don't want to say that because I'm not too familiar. But you know, it sounds a little erroneous to say that. But um, so, I, like a, a few, so you, a few, yeah, a few ahead. years ago, I saw a video where somebody took the top four country songs from that year and mashed them all up together. Like and he was showing you the waveforms in Audacity, 
and they all had the exact same chord progression. They all had there was a guitar so like all their guitar solos lined up, yeah. and they all sounded exactly the same. They all played like you could play all four guitar solos at once, and they just all sounded like the same guitar play. Well, yeah, yeah. There's a really brilliant um, in one of his uh, stand-up specials, uh, a Bo Burnham uh, bit where he does a parody of how all country music sounds the same, and they're kind of exploiting your. Uh, you know, religious beliefs or your your value system uh, just to make a quick buck and pretend to relate to you when really they're all rich millionaires. Uh, uh, it's a, quite a, a great bit. Yeah, well, um, got a lot like the uh, that that seems like so many aspects of, of that uh, that culture are devoted to uh, exploiting your core beliefs to get a quick buck out of you. <laughs> so, you know, I don't I, country music's confounding to me because. The individual aspects of it, I think, I love. Uh, you know, the the kind of slower pace of things, mm-hmm. the, the twang, the the, uh, the hats. guitar solos. The <laughs> you know what? I'm not gonna lie. I, I've I've flirted with thinking of uh, getting into some cowboy fashion, but I just can't do that in Los Angeles. <laughs> uh, um, uh, excuse me. Let me introduce you to Don Cheadle's character in Boogie Nights, who totally does. <laughs> Cowboy. I am certainly not Don Cheadle. That is for sure. That's very Um, true. You're not. But the harmonicas, like, I love all of those different aspects. But for some reason, the sum is lesser than the parts for me when it comes to country rock or country pop. I just can't get past, I don't know. The twanginess? The the twangs? No, I like the, I, I can, I can dig the twang. I can't. It's I don't know if it's just the presentation of it or maybe it is kind of subversively like this just feels superficial. You know, Johnny Cash feels like he's singing for his life. Yeah. Whereas Alan Jackson just feels like he's singing. I don't know. And maybe maybe it's not country specific because I I feel the same way about a lot of just general pop stars as well. Uh, I can't get on board with a lot of, you know, modern pop. Uh Kind of for the same reasons, well, so I don't know. Maybe maybe it's that more than country. The thing about modern pop, though, is that is that if you're listening to, I mean, I'm trying to think of an example of a modern pop singer, but like Katy Perry or something. Mm-hmm. It's like, yeah. or 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 um, uh, yeah, uh, Katy Perry or the other one who's who's really big, who um, is from Tennessee, and for some reason I can't remember her name. 1989. Uh, uh, <laughs> Taylor Swift. Taylor Swift. I forgot. Taylor Swift's name, one of the most famous human beings alive today. I forgot her fucking name. This this quarantine, like them, it's like they're, you know, they're not trying. Like you get the impression that you know, you look at them and like, oh, okay, well, their their music's really good, and I bet that they're also very rich and kind of finicky, wealthy people who are very particular about things in the way that wealthy people are. But whatever, like I I understand that. Whereas a country western person. Like, a very successful country singer is cultivating this image of a rugged individualist yeah. who's tough and doesn't need any of your city living. And then it's like, oh, they have four jets and a mansion in Nashville and a mansion in Florida and a mansion in Austin. And it's like, yeah, like the, the whole... you're right. There's something a little more honest about the Katy Perry's of the world. Yeah. Where it's like they're and I can I can dig a Katy Perry song or two because I know what I'm getting when I go into it. Like, I OK, I'm going to. You know, listen to you know, fucking uh, kiss the girl, and I'm I. It's like eating cotton candy. I I know what I'm consuming in that moment, and it is what it is on the surface. Whereas the country music, yeah, it is very much like 
kind of pedantic in a way. Uh, yeah, yeah, a little bit. Just like you know, the, their their whole their whole selling point is that they're down home, simple country folk. But then, but then actually, no, the way they're living is not that at all. Uh, okay, so we've got this uh, musical number which uh, lasts for three and a half minutes. Uh, we see. Alan Heidi dancing off to the side at one point, which was a highlight of this episode for me. Uh, uh, my uh, my notes on that were taken in all caps. <laughs> <laughs> uh, aren't all of your uh, notes taken Don't in do caps? This, Landon. Don't do this to me right now, man. Not after the day I've had. Um, <laughs> yeah, so uh, yeah, Alan Heidi dancing. Heidi faints at one point. Tim yeah. is sitting in in Al's in Alan's car as this is happening, and is like doing his Tim stuff, mugging along. He puts on a cowboy hat, and the cowboy hat gets stuck on his head, I guess? What? I, that, I did. It was just so confounding to me, just to see... And it wasn't even Tim Taylor. You could see Tim Allen just going, okay, I'm stuck with limited props and things to do in this car. What can I do that's funny? Oh, how about the hat gets stuck on my head? Yeah, yeah. And, uh... It was, it, yeah, uh, to me it was like, okay, do we need to spend time? A, you're already wasting three and a half minutes of our time uh, with the song when we could be getting the story. Do we need additional uh, hamminess on top of it? Yeah, uh, it's, it's, and I guess the, the answer was we did. And, you know, I can think of one hat <laughs> that wouldn't get stuck on Tim's head. Why? I, the second Tim put the cowboy hat on, I go, oh, we're going to get Hattie. No. Nope. Did we get Hattie? No, we did not. We got the anti-Hattie. <laughs> um yeah uh it's tim is fucking around in the car during the song and he pulls a dial off the dashboard by accident and then makes a bunch of weird faces uh puts it back on yeah yeah Uh, no one no one tell alan jackson that uh, i just pulled a knob off his radio we cannot we cannot say this guy's name again because we're gonna just full-on call him randy jackson for the rest of this Luckily, we can just get out of this scene because there's not much more unless you want to cover anything. Uh, we the, get a... the only other thing I'd say is that der- okay. is that at the beginning of the song, the grunt creep drops down on a swing and oh, sticks yeah, yeah. the tool time logo in the lower right corner. Because I imagine if you tuned into this episode two minutes late, <laughs> you might just think you were watching country music television or whatever the or VH1 yes. or whatever they had back then. Because this was Do like you think. Yeah, uh, this is uh, an interesting question, um, I think. The way that we, the audience of Home Improvement, see the <laughs> Grunt and Creep, the the animated Home Improvement logo, do you think the people in the void, the the Grunt Creep, the animated Home Improvement logo, look at Tool Time and see an animated uh, sentient Tool Time logo? Oh, that's very interesting. One that's like invisible to us, but that they always see. <laughs> Exactly, yes. But instead of running around falling off things and making mischief like the Tool Time logo, the or like the Home Improvement logo, the Grunt Creep, the Tool Time, the Tool Creep, I guess, is what very responsible <laughs> and competent and always just doing its job. Yes. The Tool Time logo is the avatar for Al, and the Home Improvement logo is the avatar for Tim. Uh, the, okay, the Grunt, the, there's the Grunt Creep and then the Tool Troll. I think that's what it is. <laughs> Perfect. I love it. Um, yes, but I, I agree. The people of the void do, they are haunted by the tool troll in the same way we are haunted by the grunt creep. Perfect. Okay, great. Um, then we get a uh, Mercury, and by that I mean uh, the car, not the planet. Mercury uh, rises, yes. Mercury <laughs> gets into retrograde, shifts into retrograde, and pulls out of there. Oh my god. Uh, it goes through the frame and a bunch of uh, groupies chase after it for some reason. It's uh, it's um, real, uh, real uh, Alan mania. 
<laughs> we go to the theme song where I have no notes. Yeah, uh, yeah, none, none for me either. Just it's okay. I was just enjoying the break. We go to uh, the kitchen where Brad and Randy come downstairs ready to go out. Um, Jill's in the kitchen, but before we get there, want to just point out. Brad and Randy are spending a lot of time together these days. I know, I know. I was kind of happy to see them just, like, being on the same page about stuff and not fighting or having a yeah. conflict between them. And Mark, no one's scheming against Mark. They're just, like, two normal friends doing normal things. Yeah, yeah, for once in their lives. I guess now that they go to the same school, you know, they, they resolved all their issues when, uh, when they dealt with the fact that uh, Randy was a little bit smarter than uh, Brad. Yeah. Um... Then, uh, okay, so I said that Jill was in the kitchen. It's actually Tim, and I want to specify that because I want to point something out. Point. Um, uh, no, it, when is you ask, a calendar? No, no, it's not a calendar, though the calendar is in the background, and it still says February, so good on them. Uh, the point I want to make is, you know, I bitched and complained in the past that why don't we ever see Jill doing something besides making food or laundry or some sort of household chore? And in the last two episodes, this one we'll get to in a minute, um, Jill's doing homework, and in the last one, she was learning the piano, whereas in this moment, Tim is making dinner. Yeah, yeah, I liked that. That was that was one of those little nuggets of like, oh, well done episode. That might be the one perfect <laughs> moment. Uh, and so when uh, Randy comes down, he says, you know, what's, what's going on? He's like, uh, we're about to have uh, Harry and Dolores over for dinner. He's like, oh, interesting. He's like, yeah, well, they had us over for dinner. Now we have to have them over for dinner. And, uh, you know, they'll have us over for dinner for thanking us for having them over for dinner. And it's just a vicious cycle. And, uh, <laughs> and, this, uh, and, and then uh, what Brad says, something like, wow, is it ever going to stop? And, and he's like, my hope is for your generation to put an end to this. <laughs> And then and Randy, Randy, oh my god! Oh, Randy! Uh, sorry, I keep tripping. No, no, right no, go, go for it, go for it. You, you've earned this one. He, he goes, okay, yeah, we'll get on that as soon as we patch up the ozone layer. Oh, this, this was okay. This, this whole moment, this exchange, I think, was actually the perfect moment in the episode because a, I thought it was very funny the yes. way Tim was kind of breaking open the notion of having people over for dinner in that <laughs> cycle. And then the fact that it just goes into like, yeah, boomers ruined the world is always, always fun for and me. That was my question. Is this one of the first instances of okay boomer? Oh my God. Of course, of, of course, Jonathan Taylor Thomas as Randy Taylor would be the one to invent. Okay. Boomer. That is the okay. Boomer is the most Randy Taylor line of all time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I think this is it. I think this is really where it, where it all got started. We can thank uh, we can thank JTT for that. All right, fantastic. You heard it here first. Um, Brad and Randy head out the door, and uh, Dolores and Harry come over. Knock, knock, knock. Jill lets them in, and uh, immediately Tim offers Harry a drink. Yes, and and Harry says he could use one because I woke up this morning and Dolores was next to me. Um, this is another episode, by the way, that I watched with my girlfriend, who is a woman, uh, sitting next to me on the couch, and it was one of those ones where I felt like I had to apologize every other line for, like, men. <laughs> I, okay, I, I have a point I want to get into a little bit later, uh, when we talk about Dolores, um, that I think might be an interesting way to reframe this episode. Okay, okay. Uh, but we'll get there, we'll get there in due time. So Harry, yes, he, he needs a drink, because... Good Lord, the day he's had uh, having to endure uh, being married. Yes, having to endure um, the woman Tim, he willingly got married to. <laughs> Tim offers uh, Harry a beer's beer. They go and uh, move over to the couch to sit down. I, what I also want to say that I appreciated is that uh, the show doesn't have the men drink beer and the women drink wine. No, Dolores has a beer brand beer, too. 
Yeah, absolutely. And I mean, she seems like the beer type. So absolutely. uh, It's very accurate to her character. Um, but as they move to the living room where they sit down to have a talk, uh, we find out that uh, Dolores is going through uh, some job issues at the moment. They scaled back her hours from full time to one day a week. Uh, I, that's got to suck. You know, and uh, not to trigger people right now. I, I know. I was just going to say it's, it's so great that we can take a break from coronavirus and hear the story of a service industry employee whose hours have been sharply curtailed. Oh. That was a funny joke. Everybody's laughing right now. <laughs> Uh, well, uh, how about for a distraction, um, we got a, uh, nice close-up, well, not quite a close-up, but, uh, perfectly framed Seanzilla behind Harry as he was sitting, uh, in the chair. Oh, that's, the armchair. that's good. The thought of, the thought of, uh, Godzilla doesn't make me think about any sort of major disaster or loss of life. Um, no, but that is good that Seanzilla is still a, is still a serious regular. I hope he's getting residuals checks. He's, uh, I I think he's found his permanent place. I mean, he's been there for at least a season now, um, and I think he'll probably remain. And makes me wonder, uh, because on the uh, on Roseanne, he's also kind of on. Well, he's on the mantel place uh, behind the couch. Um, I can't remember if that was a fireplace. No, the fireplace is over toward the stage right of that set. But. yeah, I, well, I don't know. I thought there was something there. There wasn't. Sometimes I, you gotta go for digging for gold, and, uh, and, you, and get, you get nothing but muck. Yeah, sometimes you go digging for gold, you find Godzilla, and then that's the plot of a <laughs> uh, of a Western movie where they have to fight Godzilla. <laughs> I love it. Uh, anyway, so uh, they're starting to talk about. Uh, well, I think it's Jill that suggests. Uh, well, why don't you go work with Harry at the hardware store? And Tim immediately pipes in and goes, "Oh no, 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 no." Uh, that is, that is absolutely not. That's yeah, hardware stores were a place where men hang out. Women do not belong there. And and Jill very slowly turns to Tim and says, "And where exactly do women belong, Tim?" And Tim the takes a long time to think. Parlor. Yes, or the or the, the yarn barn. Parlor or the yarn barn. Yes. Uh, holy cow! Uh, immediately, my stomach tightened, and I'm like, "Oh my god, are we going down this road for this episode?" <laughs> yeah, yes. Yeah, a little bit of season three coming for us there. Yeah. Uh, luckily, we have uh, Dolores uh, on our side, the the only protection that we need on the front line uh, of season three. We stand a legend, and her name is Dolores. <laughs> um, so as soon as she's told, and Harry, of course, chimes in and says, of course, you know, no way are you working in the hardware store. But as soon as Dolores is told she can't do something, she's like, oh, you want to fucking bet? You watch your ass. I'm going to be in that store tomorrow. No one can uh, whip this place into shape more than I can because you certainly aren't doing it. Yeah, yeah. And and so, you know, this, uh, you know, they, they get to this, they get to this very intense fight where they're both standing up and challenging each other. Like, it'll be a cold day in July before you work in my store. Well, you better look out, buddy, because summer's coming. They both talk like, they both talk like, uh, like James Cagney or something. Like, there's like, it's like a male and a female James Cagney. Um, and, but then Tim, Tim tries to defuse it by suggesting that they have dinner and we jump ahead in time. Uh, yeah, and how do we do that? We get, uh, do you remember when Brad had, uh, uh, the newspaper job and oh, we God. got that yeah. <laughs> confounding montage? Oh, Jesus. Um, where we got uh, a a son a claymation son telling Brad to wake up and get to work. Well, that son for some reason is very angry now. Uh, probably because it's uh he's being called <laughs> into summer too early. Yeah, uh, he's like I'm trying to hibernate. It's winter right now. This was my day off. Damn it! I need work life balance. <laughs> 
Listen, having been in Michigan, uh, the sun does not appear until after March is over. So being called halfway through February, I would be angry too. No, definitely, definitely. Also, I just being from Oregon, I hate whenever people say, "Oh, it's going to be a cold day in July when X happens," because sometimes there are cold days in July, depending on where you live. <laughs> Uh, so the sun transition us, uh, transitions us to later where Jill is saying goodbye to Harry and Dolores, uh, by shouting out to the front yard, slow down the car so Dolores can get in. Oof. Oof. And, uh, she shuts the door and enters back into the, uh, kitchen where they're cleaning up and Tim and Jill kind of argue over, uh, Jill suggesting that, uh, Dolores work at the hardware store. Yeah, Tim says, thanks for ruining the last refuge I have left on Earth. And it's, you know, our our hearts bleed for Tim. Where else can a man find a place to talk about yeah. about power tools and car parts other than, oh... Could it be the TV show that you have uh, where you say it to people every day of the week? Uh, could it be possibly the garage where you won't let Jill have her pottery wheel? Could it possibly be the basement where you have... Uh, your furnace and other tools and uh, storage equipment. Could it possibly be, oh, I don't know. The backyard uh, the where backyard. you've got your Could riding it? mower? Yeah. <laughs> Literally any place on earth because you are a white male. Uh, I think that might be the answer. Yeah, I, I think I think so too. That he was, he's just so dead. Like, you know, it's one thing being on the tool show where he has an audience of millions, presumably, who can listen to him talk about these things. And it's one thing to be in his garage where he can be alone with it, but then he needs, like, a communal safe space. Like, you need multiple flavors of safe spaces for dudes. But he brings guys into the garage with him often. That's true. That's definitely true. Um, but, you know, sometimes you need multiple communal safe spaces. Like, we need a lot of safety. When your ego is that big, you need a lot of safe spaces to put it in. Yeah. Well, and he's afraid that, uh, you know, with uh, with a woman in the store, they can't, uh, do their secret guy stuff anymore. Yes, and Jill claims that, that, well, isn't secret guy stuff just hanging out and complaining about your wives? And Tim just goes, who told? <laughs> and I gotta be honest, it's it's in those moments when Tim is saying something that would otherwise be problematic, but you can tell that the character is saying it as a joke to try to diffuse the situation that he's built for himself, that I can swallow it a little bit easier. Yeah, yeah, agreed, agreed. Like when he's at yeah. least aware of it and not, and he's, uh, yeah, there's a little more self-awareness to it, which I guess is kind of the biggest theme of this episode is Tim growing a little yeah. bit of self-awareness. And I've got some questions uh, that we'll get into about that, uh, the new insightful evolved Tim uh, when that starts to rear its head. Um, but we keep moving forward. Uh, we get a no girls allowed sign yep. that takes us to the hardware store yep. where, uh, Benny and Marty are looking for donuts. Marty. Uh, yeah. <laughs> and it's, and this, so this is the thing like, that I've alluded to earlier. Like, so now the store is just without even any mention of it. Like the store is now just under Dolores's management. Like she has started working there. Yep. The cold day in July seems to have arrived. And, uh, <laughs> But yeah, Benny is so Benny's frantically looking for donuts. Marty is rooting around behind the 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 counter looking for the coffee machine, and and over his shoulder, uh, <laughs> waiting for Dolores to come back because he doesn't want to get caught red-handed. Exactly, exactly. But the way that Dolores is running this store is basically the way that we would like. She kind of is incorporated <laughs> the way that somebody runs a store. Yeah, like it, it's in, it's incorporating all the stuff. It's like she listens to our podcast and knows all the things we complain about because. <laughs> She took away the biggest distraction for me, which is the free box of donuts, which just is always like, 
It's not like I have a problem with it. It's just more like I look at that and I think, like, man was not meant to have that sort of power. Just access to donuts in a retail <laughs> location that you don't have to pay for? No, that's bad. Well, yeah, I know, because it attracts people like Benny and Marty who are jobless. They're, it's basically an unemployment center. Yeah, yeah, basically that. And and to the point that Benny even says, like, I'm, I have half a mind to go look for a job now because he can't just hang out there anymore. Like, Every, so she's literally making the world better. <laughs> it's every every argument about, like, welfare queens and how we shouldn't give people government benefits because they won't yep. go look for a job. It, it can basically be encapsulated <laughs> by what happens if you put out free donuts at a hardware store. <laughs> I love it. Uh, so there are a few things before we get into the crux of the scene that I want to point out. Uh, just sure. a few details that I want to break open. A, um, when uh, we get a shot of Marty and Benny together... Uh, they're kind of you know looking over um, a a section of candy, and wanted to point out there exists a Binford candy bar. Wait, what? There's a Binford bar? Yes. I didn't see that. <laughs> what? Yep, it looks like a Crunch bar, uh, same colors and shape, uh, but it just says Binford on it. <laughs> so I want to think like I feel like the Binford Chocolate Factory is like the darker version of the Willy Wonka Chocolate Factory, which is already a pretty dark factory. So <laughs> like, well, like, how do you add more power to a candy bar? Do you put like pop I'll rocks you, in it? Well, no. the The slogan for the Binford candy bar is sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you both. Nope, <laughs> I. Let me let me rephrase that. I hope you edit that out because the joke <laughs> delivery is important. Okay, okay. So sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you bolt. <laughs> nope. Sometimes you feel like a nut, sometimes you feel like a bolt. Nuts and bolts. These are jokes, guys. <laughs> it was br- it was brilliant, Landon. I liked it a lot. I know. I can I can tell by hearing you walk away from the microphone <laughs> and adjusting something in your room. Um the other thing I wanted to point out uh, before we get into the crux of the scene is, I don't know if you noticed over by the register, uh, there's a like a little picture of L that you would normally see on like a, uh, you know, donate to the Make-A-Wish Foundation. Did you see that? I didn't see that, but I love that. That's actually, that's, that's brilliant. The notion that like, that what, do- donate to, uh, donate to the, to the Al Borland fund to like. I'm trying to think of what cruel thing they would they would set up for that to like to get Al a set of balls or like to get Al's no. mom liposuction. Well, Al is a, a partner in the store. I have to imagine it's something he's advocating for himself. So I don't know if there's like an Al's pal charity uh, that he has set up or you know with, between that and uh, his board game, I, we're starting to see Al as an entrepreneur. Uh, and and I, I'm very I really want to see that spinoff where Al is just. Uh, becoming an inventor and uh, trying all these different business opportunities uh, to see what he's good at and what can make him money. An entrepreneur, I think, is what you mean. An entrepreneur. Alpreneur. <laughs> Something else with a newer in it uh, oh. comes to mind. <laughs> uh, anyway, Tim comes in uh, and immediately sees the guys and starts complaining about Jill. Um, yeah. And this is where it cues Dolores to come out from the back room. Uh, we should also mention that Al is also feeling the the pinch of having Dolores around. He says, I'm part owner of this place, and I feel like a stock boy. Uh, Dolores comes out and goes, hey, stock boy. Yeah. Uh, why don't you get back to blah, blah, blah. Well, she actually calls him, hey, stocky boy, which then gives Tim even more uh, ammunition to make fun of Al with. Fair. Yeah, all right. Um, I blocked that out. Yeah, yeah, I know. We, we've got to we've got to protect ourselves from the from the cruelties. 
Um, well, yeah, Jill, uh, Tim is complaining about how Jill doesn't take better care of her car, how there's, like, you know, crumbs all over it, and how it hasn't been washed in forever. And as she's saying this, Dolores creeps up behind him with the intensity of the two of us, basically, and then, and then <laughs> says to Tim all the things that we always say on our show. Yes. <laughs> uh, and this was a moment that just my heart almost exploded out of my chest. <laughs> she, she says, could it be that she's a tad busy going to school, taking care of three kids and making sure you have a house to come home to? And I just, my note is just, nice, Dolores. <laughs> Mine was, Dolores steps in and tells Tim to shut the fuck up. Uh, and this is where I want to crack this open, uh, about perspective. Mm -hmm. um, I think you could have almost this exact same episode, but... The fact is, it's written from a perspective in that it's trying to make Dolores to be, you know, uh, unsympathetic, that she's kind of a bully, that she's just kind of one of those hard-nosed, naggy wives. Mm -hmm. But I think if you only just took... You could keep the same exact dialogue, almost, and just shift the the emphasis of the perspective to make it more sympathetic to Dolores, and it would be just right on the money. Yeah. <laughs> Yeah, seriously. Tim would Tim would be the villain here, uh, walking into a store and just complaining about his wife and not having a place to bitch to his, uh, uh, you know, kind of cronies um, about man stuff, uh, trying to invoke his his male privilege, and then having a woman come out and just go, "What the fuck do you have to complain about? Shut the fuck up and just get out of my store." There's a there's a whole other sitcom here, honestly, where like a woman. <laughs> inherits a a shitty rundown hardware store that is just like a gathering place for mediocre guys and then it's it's just you know this tough as nails woman straightening out these shitty dudes who hang out in her store and making the store profitable again i mean that's like that's a workplace sitcom right there that i would, I would watch the hell out of that show yeah yeah seriously it's like just because then it gives us everything we want out of home improvement tim is a supporting character you've got dolores <laughs> in a lead role um uh -huh. Well, I don't know that we've always wanted Dolores in her lead role up until this exact episode when she becomes amazing. I mean, this is, I think, our our third appearance of her, maybe the fourth, but every single time she's made a very strong impression. Even from before we knew she was Harry's wife when we met her at the diner. Yeah. She just has, I mean, the the um, the actress, uh, her name is uh, Shirley Prestia. She just has the perfect comic delivery, mm -hmm. uh, and she's able to weave all of these lines uh, while still retaining her character and somehow using the humor to further the character and deepen the character, which I, I think there's more examples of that when we get to the diner scene in a moment. But um, I, I think she's just a brilliant actress, and I think she's a great addition to uh, <laughs> to the show. I haven't found a moment yet where I'm like, oh, God, Dolores is here. Yeah. Um, it's usually like, oh, God, Harry's here. <laughs> oh, thank God Dolores is here also to save this. Yeah, yeah, Harry is very much the, uh, like, Harry and Dolores are the couple friends where you wind up liking the uh, the person's spouse more than you like the person you initially met. <laughs> yeah, right. Um, anyway, so uh, Dolores kind of disappears back into the, the back room, Harry comes out, and uh, Tim's like, you gotta nip this shit in the bud, man. Uh, you got to tell her to get the fuck out of here. No retreat, no surrender. Yes, which, now, Landon, did you have Galaxy Quest flashbacks? <laughs> uh, only because this was a uh, um, quote, or uh, uh, an IMDb trivia for this episode. Wait, 
is that no recruit, no surrender is almost the catchphrase from Galaxy Quest. Seriously? Yep. Oh. Yep. <laughs> well, IMDb trivia is really scraping the bottom of the barrel right now, I have to say. <laughs> that's that's almost as good as the IMDb trivia moment for Master of Disguise, where they reveal that when they filmed the turtle-turtle scene, it was on 9-11, and everybody observed a moment of silence on set when they heard about what oh was happening. Oh, my God. Yeah. Oh, my God. Can you imagine the absurdity of that workday for those people? <laughs> I mean, already being there with Dana Carvey, like, wearing a big, rotund turtle suit, like, even on just a normal right. day is one thing. But then having it that be, like, th- that is always going to be your memory of 9-11. Yeah, that, that would be pretty rough. Wow. There are about 70 people out there I want to send thank you notes to. <laughs> <laughs> and, and also, like, pay for therapy for them as well. Yeah, right. Um, so anyway, the guys are like, they're, they're chanting, uh, you know, no retreat, uh, no surrender. Yeah. They're, they're trying to, to, to ramp up Harry's courage to stand up to Dolores. And, uh, he does because, you know, when you get a bunch of cronies, uh, chanting, you know, you can't be a chicken in front of them because that's how toxic masculinity works. Exactly. So he goes, Dolores, get over here. Uh, and then he shoots out a, uh, a scorpion uh, <laughs> rope and knife, brings her over, punches her head off, and uh, finishes her. But it's not a flawless victory because she <laughs> she responds that she's not only going to leave the store. When he gets home from work, she won't be at home either. She's leaving him entirely. And Harry is happy about that. Yes, he is. And, uh, and so are the guys. Except because we get... Oh, yeah? Well, no, I mean, except, except for Tim. Like, she storms out, and the guys are all cheering for him, and Tim is going like, ah, don't you want to go after her? And and Harry does not want to go after her. Nope. Uh, and the guys are very happy about this, actually, because we get a cut to the next scene. Uh, I have to imagine it's maybe a day later. Yeah. And uh, we start the scene in a very strange way. Jarring. Uh, very, very extreme close-up of a cigar, and as we pull out, we see that it's Al smoking it. And my note uh, it all. My note yeah. here in all capital letters is just, Al smoking, what the hell? <laughs> Al's always smoking, if you know what I mean. Yeah, I know. Uh, <laughs> all of the guys are smoking cigars. They're so happy that they have their shop back. Uh, but Harry is not quite there yet. No, he's not. Uh, and as Al explains when Tim comes in and asks after Harry, uh, Harry overslept because uh, this is the first time he woke up and didn't have Dolores' face there to shock him awake. okay yep that's what he says (laughs) and and then not long after and tim goes oh well he's probably he's probably more broken up than he's letting on and then harry comes dancing into the store singing he oh what a beautiful morning from oklahoma and you know that is the telltale sign of depression (laughs) any anybody willingly singing a song from oklahoma is is a is a (laughs) and and if it's not a part of the tv series watchmen you know it's something bad the thing is, though, I do find, more than most musicals, I do find myself singing songs from Oklahoma. <laughs> I, you know, I can't say I know that many songs from Oklahoma, although I do sometimes in in kind of triumphant moments, I do find myself going, O-K-L-A-H-O-M-A. Like, I feel like that's a pretty, that's... Och? Oh, Och. Well, you know, Landon, I'm not a great, I'm not a great singer, Okay. In England, if you want like Spanish halfway through that. Yes, I, well, yeah, it's it's Oklahoma or Olehoma as they say in Spain. Um, <laughs> not funny, none of it good, but uh, yeah, it, not the one I would have picked. No, I would have gone with with some Cole Porter if it was me being excited to have just gotten a divorce. Oh, 
Oh, interesting. I might have gone with, um, I don't know, maybe Cabaret. Oh, interesting. Interesting. Well, life is a Cabaret, my friend. <laughs> Tim is uh, very concerned that Harry is trying to cover up his depression, his unhappiness, and uh, by singing and dancing and uh, providing Benny free donuts. Not even free donuts, but he made a special trip to the donut store to get d- uh, Benny's favorite kind of donut, which is the kind with sprinkles. Which seems like a... Not a good choice of favorite donut because you can't taste those sprinkles. Those sprinkles are they're they're an aesthetic flourish at best, and uh, yeah. And furthermore, I mean, you know, I, I I don't know. I'm sorry. It's just like if your favorite donut is with sprinkles, that's I feel like so often that is written in like in in uh, God, what is it in the Fugitive when Tommy Lee Jones is like thinking up one of them donuts with sprinkles on it. Like who asks for like. <laughs> I'm sorry, a, a jelly donut, a donut filled with cream, an old-fashioned style donut, a glazed donut, like, those things have more meaningful changes in terms of texture and flavor, but a donut with sprinkles on it, it's just a donut that looks different from other donuts. It's just a basic bitch cake donut. <laughs> I'm sorry, folks. That, I know we, we've dived into this a little bit in the past, but what is your what would be your choice? You, you go into a donut shop, you can only afford a single donut what is it that you get? I mean, if, if like, all, in in a vacuum, like, all other things being equal, if it's just I'm going to get the donut and go straight home, it's going to be a Boston cream pie. It's going to be the one filled with Ooh. cream. Um, Interesting. Okay. Now, if I'm, if I'm going to be oot a boot that day, and I know that I, you know, I'm not going to, say, eat a, a pastry filled with cream, because who knows what will happen with that cream. So instead, I would probably get <laughs> a maple bar, and honestly, if I am in... I feel like every donut shop does bacon maple bars now. It was a thing invented at Voodoo Donut in Portland, of course, but now everybody does that. So I think bacon maple bar is my go-to. Well, how about you? Okay. Well, I've mentioned before that I am an apple fritter guy, but Mm. we discussed that that being more of a pastry, less of a donut. So if I had to be strict to the donut family, um, you know, I would probably keep it simple and just do a chocolate frosted chocolate donut. And it's not a bad choice. It's not a bad choice at all. I also would say, though, I don't think we can split too many hairs over a fritter, whether it's a donut or a pastry, because then a maple bar, it's not its not donut-shaped. It's an oblong pastry that happens to have some bacon strips on yeah. top. Well, would you consider an eclair a, uh, a donut? I mean, I, I kind of consider anything that they sell in a donut shop to be a donut. Like, obviously not like, because they also sell bagel sandwiches there. If you're talking about like a California yeah. strip mall donut shop, they sell a lot of stuff. But like, I think that, yeah. I think that anything on the, they have scones in there. I mean, a scone is not a donut, but when it's in a donut shop, it is a donut, if you know what I'm saying. Yeah. I love that. Well, I'll tell you. I'll also end it with, uh, you can't scoff at, at like, a cider mill cinnamon donut, cinnamon sugar donut. No, you you certainly can't. Actually, I've had some of those before, and those are pretty good, too. I love that, I think that we advance uh, the science of donut shops further than any other podcast does when we talk about the hardware store scenes on this show. Like, we, the two of us have given more thought to donuts than I think most people in this country, and I I respect that. (laughs) I... I disagree. I don't think about donuts that often, and I guarantee that there are people at Voodoo Donuts or other uh, Blue Star, whatever the other big uh, innovative donut shops are. Uh, I, I would never take the credit away from them because I, I don't care for donuts too much. It's a it's a rare occasion for me. It's certainly rare for me, too. Although, as, as a Portlander, I will have to come back at you and say, sure, maybe the people at Blue Star think about donuts a lot. The people at Voodoo Donut 
since about 2005 have not thought about anything but how do we expand, how do we make more t-shirts, how do we sell more stuff? Because Voodoo Donut <laughs> okay. totally sold the fuck out. Don't go there. Well, I mean, actually, wow. no, actually, I mean, go there. I guess if you're in an airport and you see one because they sold out, I mean, fine. It's as good a donut as anywhere else. <laughs> I just don't think they think very hard about their donuts anymore. That's just me. Wow. Okay. Well, I, I, I certainly can't speak to that. I've been there once when I was in Portland and it was a, uh, it was very much a, well, you've never been here before. Let's do touristy stuff. That's this is came from here. The, the <laughs> only, the only times I have gone to Voodoo Donuts in Portland in the past 10 years has been like, oh, a friend is in town. Well, here's a dumb thing we do here. <laughs> awesome. Yes. Uh, so to finish out the scene. Um, here on Donut War, Her- a podcast about donuts. <laughs> uh, Harry is not interested at all in going to fix things with Dolores, and Tim is a little uh, upset about this. I, I, one, one other thing I would note, and this is we, we don't have okay. to go as in-depth on this as we did on, on Donuts, but uh, – Harry dances in the door, he's singing, he then grabs a black woman who's in the store and twirls her around dancing with her and moves on. I just want to point out, in this episode, they were bitching about how women going into the tool... uh, I'm glad you made that note. Yeah, and it's like, oh, no, women are going to ruin everything, and then we're back in our... Oh, now we're smoking cigars, and now we're we're drinking coffee again, and, and it's back to normal. And the first person we see in the store is a woman, so evidently they were full of shit the whole time. Yeah, I would imagine that if she had protested or even spoke out of turn at any moment while they were celebrating, they would have given her like a Blazing Saddles style harumph. They would have harumphed her out the door. Yeah. Uh, just like, oh, uh, until she she left and didn't get her answers. That's a harumph is kind of a grunt when you think about it. Much in the same way that that a uh, much in the same way that a uh, fritter is kind of a donut when you think about it. Um <laughs> But yeah, so we get a uh, yeah. So, but yeah, yeah. Harry's in high spirits. Free donuts for Benny. Free saber saw for somebody else. And Tim is the only one who's concerned that Harry might actually not be thrilled to be getting a divorce. Uh, and we get a cigar smoke transition uh, to the kitchen where Brad and Randy come home. Well, while Jill is uh, reading a thank you note from Dolores. Yeah, so she's reading this thank you note that Dolores has sent, and uh, Brad and Randy ask her, uh, why did Dolores send the note and not Harry? And Jill explains that men don't write thank you notes unless their wives make them. And then uh, she says, they say, well, why do you make us write thank you notes all the time? And he says, because I'm trying to make a better world one boy at a time. <laughs> and they say, well, we'll write you a thank you note for that sometime. <laughs> uh, yeah, and I, I'm kind of wishing that I had gone with uh, Randy's uh, joke earlier in the episode because uh, we don't get Randy uh, at all for the rest of this, I don't think. Yeah. So uh, it's a very um, we're all tripping our way to JTT Junction this week. <laughs> <laughs> we stumbled um, into JTT Junction by completely by accident. Completely, but yeah, just fell over backwards into it. Um, so let's let's go there. Uh, we're going again. The trolley is out of service until uh, this whole thing is over. So we're all doing a, a Zoom call uh, <coughs> to get into JTD Junction. Um, and for those of you just tuning in, oh JTT God, Junction. Landon, no one is just tuning in. No one is starting grunt work now. Uh, uh, JTT Junction is where reading excerpts from the book Totally JTT, the unauthorized biography of Jonathan Taylor Thomas by Michael Ann Johns What what stings the most is that every time I try to explain to you that you don't need to do it And you like patiently and politely listen to me and then just go right on ahead (laughs) 
You are correct. We are in chapter three uh, on page 29 at the very bottom if you're following along. No one's um, following along. <laughs> <laughs> Not a single uh, so, uh, <laughs> listeners, Listeners, tweet pictures of yourselves to us reading along in the book. No one's going to fucking do it because no one is reading the book with us. Listeners, you love proving your Uncle Truman wrong on the show. Prove me wrong. Sometimes sometimes I just have to do things to make myself laugh. Uh, uh, that's good. That's, well, talking to me certainly doesn't make you laugh. <laughs> okay, so uh, do you want to bring us up to snuff as to what we covered last week? Um, I feel like we just covered more recapping on what home improvement is. <laughs> I've really kind of lost yep. the plot of Totally JTT okay. because now it's Totally Home Improvement, which is the alternate title for our podcast. Last week on JTT Junction, we covered Patricia Richardson being cast as Jill, the wife, and uh, Brad and Randy and Mark being cast uh, by three rambunctious young little kids. Well, being um, cast as three rambunctious little kids, not being cast. It suggests that three rambunctious little kids cast them on the show, which would be adorable. That might be true. I don't know. I don't fully know. Yeah. Who the hell makes this show? <laughs> Uh, so we're picking up from uh, the casting of the boys. Okay. Uh, and here we go. Here we go. <laughs> Even though he was only 10, he understood the character he'd be trying out for. Quote, Randy, uh, Randy is the middle son, he described. He has two parents and a very loving home. He realizes he's secure, but still insecure in a way. He realizes he, or he feels he has to joke. Uh, he feels he has to joke around. That's how he relates to people. He's also a huge con artist. He's always getting into mischief. Yeah. His wheels are always turning. Yep, they are. And End quote. Okay. So he, he seems to have – so the way he was playing the character then uh, really – like it, it makes sense that in those early seasons we thought he was a serial killer because he was playing the character as a shifty, <laughs> uh, shifty kid who's always on the take. And just, just you wait. We've got more to cover for that. Oh, boy. Um, <clears throat> There's one obvious reason Jonathan could be so clear about the character. Bright, athletic, clever, and articulate, Randy really wasn't all that unlike Jonathan himself. Of course, there were differences. True, cutting up came naturally, but Jonathan also knew when to stop and get down to business. His teachers can attest to that. (laughs) Uh, I want to see the the deep research that uh, this author did on JTT's teachers. Because there, there is no proof that she provides beyond just stating that fact. You know that you, you go through all of all of uh, the notes that she took and, and listen to all of the interview recordings with JTT's teachers, all of his JT teachers, if you will, <laughs> and every single one of them said the exact words. He was great at at uh, buckling down and getting to work. <laughs> and though no one could think up uh, and deliver a one-liner faster and funnier, Jonathan also has a sensitive, caring side. His jokes were never at the expense of somebody else. Uh, uh, this is Jonathan, not Randy. Oh, Jonathan. Okay, yeah, Randy. Uh, there's a there's a poor gentleman called Sir Larry who I think had a lot of jokes <laughs> happen at his expense. Oh, I miss Sir Larry. Um, as Jonathan analyzes it, quote: "I think we're alike because I also get into mischief, but I'm uh, but I'm a good kid. I'm also a good student, but I do like to scheme. I'm always thinking about the next thing I can do." But I would never uh, take things to the extent that Randy does. I love that. End quote. I love that he treats scheming like it's a hobby. Like, what do you like to do in your spare time? <laughs> oh, I love scheming. You know, whenever I get a chance, just go out in the garage and just scheme for a while. It's so fun. <laughs> Listen, if that was a job, if I can make money off that, uh, I might, I might become a schemer. 
<laughs> yeah, I mean, I'm trying to think what job actually requires professional scheming. Um, uh, robbing trains? Robbing trains or, like, I don't know. I feel like basically anybody who works on Wall Street, like, the, all of that is just scheming nonstop. Yeah, 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 yeah. Yeah. Um, well, I'm getting a little political he... commentary here, folks. Sorry. <laughs> Though he doesn't have a younger brother, he's especially considerate of younger kids. He'd never act the way Randy does toward Mark. Good, good. We we know we <laughs> no can trust should. him. <laughs> yes. Uh, just because Jonathan knew he was perfect as the raspy, rascally Randy, uh, however, didn't mean he was able to nail it right out of the gate. Hundreds of boys were tested, not only for his part, but for the roles of Brad and Mark, too. Groups of young hopefuls were asked to act out uh, scenes alone and then with two other boys. Producers were not only looking for a trio of uh, talented tykes, but three who looked and acted enough uh, alike to be believable as brothers. I really like uh, her penchant for alliteration. Yeah, no, I I, I do as well. As somebody who, who <laughs> has taken on a variety of kind of uh, you know, to pay the bills, copywriting jobs. I find that finding ways to shoehorn alliteration into things is one of the few joys that I actually get from <laughs> just, you know, paying the bills type work. So I'm glad yeah. that she enjoyed this as much as she did. Uh, it wasn't an easy task as the month long uh, casting pro- months long casting process wore on. The choices were whittled down as the finalists were called back to test again and again in different combinations. In all, JTT was called back four separate times. Wow! At the end of his fourth audition, he was given the news he'd be hoping—he'd uh, been hoping to hear—he'd won the role of Randy Taylor. Ooh! He'd won it mainly because of his irresistible look, comic timing, and natural acting ability. But there was one other reason that Jonathan was chosen, and he freely admits it. "Quote: Bribes. I do resemble. <laughs> I do resemble who? <laughs> I do resemble." Tim Allen, he said uh, on a national talk show. Uh, I saw the other kids who auditioned, and it was obvious. All of them looked kind of similar, as if they could be Tim's son, or at least part of the family. He added, I think I have similar characteristics of Tim. Characteristics of Tim. I hope, I just just facial characteristics, I'm hoping, not the rest. I'm... I'm hoping to. Uh, we're going to end it there for this week. Uh, so if you're following along, we're on page 31 Great. going into next week. Great. Good. That that information will be of use to so many people. Um, okay. Well, this is good. I'm, I'm, I'm heartened by this trip to JTT Junction because finally we're talking about JTT again. Like I've kind of – Yes. It, this, I, I don't even – I don't even know what this junction has been the last few weeks. <laughs> It's been Tim trying to uh, improve the JTT Junction uh, by adding more power to it, uh, and it's just like anything, breaking it more than anything. It's been a real tim invasion, if you ask me. He's a tim invasive uh-huh. species. <laughs> well, I can't hear you. I uh, The host has put you on mute. Oh, no! Um, <laughs> so you can't be heard on the Zoom call anymore, and I'm just waving to everybody. Goodbye. We'll talk to you next week. Uh, Zoom call ended. That's uh, that For everybody listening to this in the future, that's coronavirus humor. <laughs> um, we are in the kitchen. We're talking about uh, the thank you note that Dolores uh, has sent to the Taylors, uh, San Harry. Sans Harry. Yeah. Yes. Um, but, uh, yeah, Tim, you know, Tim comes home. And, uh, and Jill relates about the, uh, the thank you note. And Tim explains that, uh, Harry is actually, you know, Harry and Dolores have actually split up and that Harry, he suspects is very beat up about it, but isn't letting it on around the guys and is instead just uh, putting on a happy face. And 
Jill's response is, like, Jill is shocked, and she says, oh, my God, did you hear that? You had an insight. <laughs> uh, and Tim just, like, immediately is like, no, what are you talking about? Shut up. But that didn't happen. Take that back. That's not what's going on here. Uh, and she goes, no, I think you're really starting to evolve here. And uh, He goes, you're just looking for things uh, and saying that she's, you know, uh, that you're looking for a man that's just different from your father. And, uh, and Jill goes, that was even more profound. <laughs> uh, and he's like, he's goes into a whole panic attack here. And she goes, just come over to our side. You're almost there. <laughs> he says, I can't stop myself. What happened to me? And she says, you're becoming insightful. And he goes, oh, no. Which I think I think this is hilarious. Like these, like Tim becoming sensitive and thoughtful and caring about people <laughs> against his wishes is very enjoyable yeah. for me to watch. <laughs> uh, he does end the scene by saying, "I'll never come to your side. You and your kind have done enough damage already." As he enters the garage, yes. Um, and then we cut to our Wilson scene where uh, Tim is out back shoveling the snow by the gazebo, and, and Wilson is on his way over to wish them a happy Terminalia Day. Yes, I will just for Terminalia. I, I thought it was Terminalia Day, but that's just because I'm self-centered. <laughs> uh, I will also point out that the backyard Wilson walks into appears to have shrunk a little bit since since the last time we saw it, and also the phone pole is back, but that's all. Oh, okay. Good eye. I, that's not something I noticed. So, I, and that's usually my area. Yeah, you know, I, no, your area is calendars, sir. My area is the <laughs> relative sizes of backyards. But yeah, he com- he comes out to wish him a happy Terminalia Day. And Landon, what is Terminalia Day? Uh, it's where uh, people in the community bond with each other uh, to celebrate the spirit of community, uh, and by doing so, they splatter fences with blood. Yep, pig blood, not their own blood. That's an important distinction to make. <laughs> well, what do you what do you use when you're fresh out of pig blood? You got to have some sort of uh, alternative. And what's the closest to pig skin and pig blood? Uh, I think hogs. it's human blood. Okay, but well, I mean, yeah, that's fine. That's or human blood too. <laughs> It's what they did on Mythbusters. The closest equivalent to uh, human skin when they were testing ballistics uh, was to get pigs. That's the episode where they uh, tested whether or not getting shot will make you fly backwards like in the movies because they were shooting that pig carcass with a shotgun and it barely even dropped off the hook. <laughs> they used pig carcasses quite a lot. Uh, it was it was rough to watch. Yeah, I, I suppose so. But the pigs were already dead. I mean, at least they weren't they feeling were, any but, new pain. Eh, I, don't, I still don't like to. Eh, whatever. No, That's no, nothing wrong with that. Nothing wrong with that. We were watching that their uh, that their Tiger King on the Netflix, and there was a scene where uh, one of the crazy tiger people was shooting a mannequin meant to represent this woman who he hates. And even just watching a person shoot a mannequin a bunch of times is kind of like, maybe just knowing the, the hateful intent behind it, but it made me sort of uncomfortable. Yeah, that's it. Yeah, I can hear that. So Tim, <laughs> though, uh, talks to Wilson about Harry and Dolores and how uh, it looks like they're yep. going to uh, be splitting up. Uh, Wilson says they're bidding each other a fond to do. And Tim says this has nothing to do with a bowl of hot cheese. <laughs> um, and uh, then Tim explains his fears about what's going on with Harry and uh, Dolores. And Wilson is also shocked at how insightful Tim is being. He's like, Tim, that is so insightful. And Tim's like, don't start with me. <laughs> uh, and then Al, or Al, uh, I wish. Yeah, Wilson uh, relates um, a story about a French philosopher. And uh, Tim's like, oh, I haven't heard of that. Can you speak in my language? And explains it to him. Um, again, this is where I was answering a text message. And uh, I just, I'm not good with the Wilson scenes. Yeah. I don't know why. Because we always know, they always end the same way. Even though we like Wilson probably more than most other people on the show, 
the, the, they always just like the for, the form the most formulaic bits of the show are Tim and Wilson. So we just turn our brains yeah. off. I guess so. Um, so I don't I don't remember the advice he gives him. Do you? Uh, the advice that he gives him is just if you're having trouble getting through to Harry, why not talk to Dolores? Because Tim says like he's yes. he's you know uh, Harry he's called Harry a couple times. He's visited him at the hardware store. He won't let on that he's actually upset. Mind you, we have not seen any evidence of this. We have not seen we're uh, yeah. spoiler alert when we saw when we saw Harry in the previous scene dancing with that lady and giving people free donuts. <laughs> that was the last we saw of Harry for the episode. Harry doesn't come back. <laughs> Yes. Okay, so this might be a good time to bring this up. Yeah. Uh, this is – the way this episode is structured is very bizarre to me. I can't quite wrap my head around it, that this is an episode that's supposed to be about Harry and Dolores, yet some for some reason we're following it through Tim's perspective. And, you know, where, like, the main story is are they going to get back together? Are they not? We need closure to that. But what we get instead is this – this bit in the middle of the episode where Tim is becoming insightful and suddenly that becomes the arc for the remaining uh, minutes of this show. Yeah. It's, it's, I just wish that Tim becoming insightful was either the whole episode or, or, or that Tim becoming insightful, insightful was explored more through Tim having a bunch of tough conversations with Harry and then really cracking open male friendship and male bonding and how men communicate with men about feelings. Like, I think that that would be a very interesting way to interrogate the issues that supposedly inspired Tim Allen to pursue this form of comedy in the first place. We don't get that. I'm going to throw something out there to you. Uh, Bear with me while I I kind of sift through some thoughts here. Okay, okay. That's what this whole podcast is, is one of us bearing with the other one while that person sifts through thoughts. (laughs) So we've been critical uh, of the show, the writing, the construction of it. Occasionally. Many, many times. Yeah. To the point where, you know, uh, we both have said and listeners have said, it's a sitcom. You know, <laughs> what are you hoping to get out of it? Yes. Um, but I'm wondering if it is an issue with home improvement or if it is an issue with sitcoms, uh, sitcoms of the similar ilk of the era. And I don't mean like Seinfeld and, you know, because I feel like the NBC lineup was a little bit different. We've discussed how that was more geared toward the singles crowd, whereas we have family sitcoms. Sure. So I'm wondering if we watched a a similar family sitcom, say something else from ABC, would we be still having these these same types of notes based on the episode construction uh, that we do against Home Improvement? I, you know, I, it's not of the same era, but my girlfriend is a big fan of Family Ties, which I know is uh-huh. a little. I think it's an ABC show. I'm, yeah, I don't. Uh, I think I think that was CBS. Oh. I can't be sure. No, it, it actually is. It's CBS. It's all, all access. So I don't know. I so I guess it's not another ABC show, but it is another family sitcom, and I don't generally watch family sitcoms. And I have found in watching the episodes with her that while I don't I don't necessarily love the show I think that it's constructed much better plot-wise yeah. than home improvement is like there in the episodes that I've watched of it there's there's never an episode that just peters out like there are kind of underwhelming episodes <laughs> that never really are get to be great but like I never watch an episode yeah. and I'm like oh you you just you drew half the horse and then just kind of and <laughs> didn't do the rest well, so I'm thinking in order to be uh, evenly keeled and fair-minded, we might have to watch, you know what, I'm going to throw this out to you right here, right on the air. I think we have to make a decision here and now. 
because the timeline dictates it. Should we watch Soul Man as a comparative reference point to what we're discussing? I, you know what? I think we should. I, I think we should because there's not a lot of it, and now is now is the time to do it. And yeah, let's let's mm-hmm. hold up another. And it's kind of made by the. It's you know a pseudo spinoff of Home Improvement. So I say yeah, let's let's give it a shot. Let's give it a shot. Okay. And also and also. Uh, um, uh, Dan Aykroyd is kind of like another flavor of Tim Allen in a way. He's a guy who's a gifted mm-hmm. comedian who I also have some bones to pick with. <laughs> I think you mean skulls. Yes, that's the, skulls. the largest bone. In, well, and, and also I have a bone stripper to pick as well. Uh, uh, his, <laughs> oh, my God. Yes. Yeah, okay, let's not open up that can of worms quite yet. If we're dealing with Soul Man, I'm sure there'll be plenty of time to uh, get into nothing but trouble. Uh, yeah, yeah, anything but nothing but trouble. Um, yeah, but no, that might that might be a good uh, that might be a good companion piece to help us judge whether we're being too hard. Okay, yeah. So you heard it here. We're going to actually do uh, Soul Man. I got to figure out how to get those episodes, but uh, we're gonna do it. I, I don't know what that's gonna look like. Um, are we going to pause season six while we do Soul Man? Maybe, maybe that'll be uh, how we celebrate three years is by watching another show that even fewer people liked and remember. Hmm. Okay. We'll figure out the details of that, but I think we've made the decision. We're going to do Soul Man. Muzzle Tom. Hooray. Yeah. Uh, okay. We get back to this episode. Uh, so Tim walks away from Wilson deciding, okay, uh, I'm going to go talk to Dolores. Yep. And we get a scene slide transition with uh, breakfast being served to, to us um, as a plate of eggs and sausage. Made me hungry. Into frame. We bring us to uh, the diner set where Dolores is uh, working. Yeah. And uh, Tim is there at the counter and is trying to persuade Dolores to go give Harry another chance. She's just not into it. She's just being kind of cranky and grousing at him, grousing at the customers. Tim says to her at one point, I, yeah. I can tell by the twinkle in your eye that you still love him. And she goes, it's pink eye. And I'm just like, you want some to- I, I like the whole delivery of that line yeah. was so funny to me because she goes, it's pink eye. You want some toast? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> she's just so quick to get past the subject. Uh and that she, she's she's fantastic in this scene. No, she's she's great. There's another like that that mystery customer who's the character actor we will never know the name of. He, he again though. I want to I want to go back to my my initial point about the perspective of this episode, where what we're seeing here is Dolores being what seems like impatient and impossible to talk to. But if we invert it and we go through Dolores's sitcom, we see that she's fucking busy and in the middle of work, and Tim is being annoying and trying to stop her from dealing with a million customers. And, and also that she has made what is objectively a good decision to leave the man who is constantly cruel to her, <laughs> right? And who, the man who has muscled her out of his own business, you know, all of these things. Uh, and then the, there, the, one of his douchebag friends is trying to get her to make this bad decision for her life <laughs> yeah. and interrupting her in the middle of her work day to do it. I think I think we need to rewrite – we need to write the spinoff of Home Improvement that is just told from every character actor. <laughs> <laughs> we tell their episode uh, and we have Tim be the, the supporting character in it that just comes in and fucks up their life. <laughs> character actor corner of the series. <laughs> I love it. Yeah. Um, so yeah, she's she's trying to deal with Tim. She's trying to deal with her customers. There's a, a customer who isn't getting uh, his order put in, <laughs> and the guy. Um, I just I love the dichotomy between him, uh, this unnamed character actor, and Dolores, uh, 
where at one point she's walking around and needs to refill his coffee and he just stops her and goes is that decaf and he goes she goes is that what you want he goes yes then that's what it is <laughs> and he she just has no no time to deal with anybody and, and he seems so scared of her he's just like okay 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 <laughs> uh but Tim Tim finds a way uh, behind Dolores's armor and, and convinces her, you know, look, I'll take over your shift. You just go and talk to him. Um, and and I, I – yeah, go ahead. No, 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 you. I was going to say – I well, I'm going to go into another tangent. So if you have something to say about the scene, you go into it. I, all, all I want to say is that as, as Tim – you know, Tim offers to cover for Dolores and she leaves and he goes behind the counter. My note was just, oh, this will be a romp. If I know Tim, this will be a romp. <laughs> and uh, unfortunately, we never see the ensuing romp. But I, if it was anywhere yeah. near as good as him in the food truck, I bet it was just hysterical. So funny. Um, my my note was going to be just a, a trope that I've never understood in movies and TV where just a random civilian that is not employed with a place can take over for somebody. Mm-hmm. The only time I've seen it work is a recent uh, uh, Curb Your Enthusiasm episode. They kind of build a business out of taking over a shift for somebody while they go to the bathroom, <laughs> uh, <laughs> which is really, really funny. But, like, how in the – when Dolores leaves and Tim's behind the counter, why wouldn't the man- the shift manager just go, who the fuck are you? Get out from behind the ca- – this is not <laughs> hygienic at all to, you know, health standards. Yeah, do you have a food uh, handler's license, Tim? Get, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> I, I just never understood that trope. Um, you know, so, that, I, I don't know. I, I did read back in happier times at a Waffle House somewhere in Alabama. It was like just it was a busy night. And there was because a bunch of people had called in sick. There was like one like teenage employee who was running the grill and waiting. Like there was one person behind the counter, Holy basically. Shit. And so then like three different people at the Waffle House just got up and got behind the counter and started helping out with like pouring coffee and like wiping down tables and everything. Like it was a really beautiful moment of like all these, you know, late night people at Waffle House helping this kid and then Waffle House corporate having to be like, y'all, thanks. But also there's health codes, y'all don't do that. (laughs) So, So it's happened once in real life. Interesting. I did not know that. And uh, just shows you um, the beauty that Waffle House can bring you. Oh, God. Yes, it does. Folks, Truman Caps here for Waffle House. Um, you can't go to them right now. But when this is all over, let's all meet at the nearest Waffle House. <laughs> Where is the nearest Waffle House to us? It is in Phoenix, Arizona. I know because my girlfriend and I went to Phoenix recently almost exclusively to eat at Waffle House. <laughs> just an eight hour trip for no reason uh, basically we were trying to go somewhere else but but weather intervened and then it was like well there's a waffle house in phoenix and we're already halfway there <laughs> oh my goodness um we cut to a little bit later the dining room back at the taylor house uh jill is studying and this is where my note was it's glad to see her doing other things besides cooking and cleaning mm-hmm. uh tim comes in exhausted from taking dolores's shift he didn't know it was a an eight hour shift i love it and uh, uh, he says that he got Dolores to go speak to Harry. Yeah, and it seems like and, and it seems like things are working out. Again, it would have been emotionally impactful to see some of that happen, but uh, yeah. I guess you do you. Um, well, we're only left here. I mean, we're not even left with the fact that they're getting back together. We just left with Tim succeeded in his mission to get them to talk to each other. Yeah, yeah. Basically, Tim did one small part of 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 the work, and that's all the show is concerned about. <laughs> and. Yeah, and then they sit down on the couch, and Tim is just so satisfied with himself and talking about mm-hmm. how, how, like, I've always wondered if there might be something more to me, and 
talking about how they... I've always yeah I've always had a sneaking suspicion that there might be more to me yeah yeah that's uh, it and he's and he's doing it kind of with his arms closed you know across across his chest and he's kind of like pontificating he has his face like kind of looking off into the distance in the air and he's like I think you know there might actually be something uh, something. Uh, to to what's the word I'm looking for? God Almighty, I lost track on that one. Well, he's 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 saying I found that the deeper I go, the more treasure I discover. <laughs> so I wanted to bring this into play uh, and ask you, how do you feel about um, insightful Tim, but cocky insightful Tim? Honestly, I like cocky insightful Tim more than I like <laughs> cocky ignorant Tim because cocky insightful. <laughs> I mean, because you know who else is cocky and insightful? A little guy named Who's Fraser that? Crane. And uh, <laughs> I, I am clearly, I am willing to accept a cocky, arrogant man if he, he is yeah. being that way because he believes that he has mastered the human condition uh, and is wrong and gets proven wrong. It's different if it's a cocky, arrogant man who just thinks he's the manliest of men and engages in performative that masculinity. Rules don't apply to him. Yeah, yeah, right. Yeah, exactly. So I like, I like this, this cocky Tim who thinks that he is more deep than he is. I think that's funny. <laughs> Uh, but Jill doesn't, and no. she's like, "Oh man, can you can you please transform into the man that I married?" And uh, oh my goodness, my note here for basically the rest of the episode is, um, I don't envy Truman. Nah, <laughs> uh, I was able to. I you know I'll explain my methodology on on what happens next when she starts begging Tim to grunt for her, and uh, and he yeah. at first struggles, but then after a kiss, actually learns how. Uh, yeah, so she she he's she's trying to elicit the the primitive man to come back out, and he goes, oh oh oh, I don't think it's coming out. Uh, but he finally gets her. Uh, she finally gets him after, as you said, to make out. Uh, oh 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 yeah, okay, oh, I'm, I'm sorry. Oh, oh yeah, I'll get that down. Oh yeah. Yeah, that, that's uh, it. You don't even need to watch the show. You heard Landon do it, folks. That's that's it. That's the. <laughs> and uh, I, I'm curious what your methodology is. Don't tell me before the grunt count because I want to make sure that my guess is accurate to what my experience was. Of course. Um, that's the end of the scene, essentially the end of the episode. But we do get a stinger where uh, the customer forgot his donut. Um and Tim- right, so we're back in the diner. Tim is uh, helping out with the customers. Uh, the guy that Dolores had scared forgot uh, he didn't get his donut. So Tim throws him one from behind the counter. And then um, one of the, the line cooks uh, delivers a pancake and a bowl of fruit. Um, and he hands it to two customers sitting at the counter. And he goes, OK, I think you're the pancakes and you are the fruit. And yeah. we get <laughs> well, you take you take this uh, and then because I got a button for it. Uh, the guy, the guy says, you know, he says, you're the fruit. And the guy looks up at Tim angrily and the crowd goes nuts. And the and the guy says, hey, I don't go for that stuff, man. I, I don't go in for that sort of thing. Yeah, I bring it. Bring that up specifically because uh, I wanted to ask you if you recognize this man and this line. Oh, wait, he did. that. No. Yeah, that happened before, didn't it? What was it at the was it at uh, <laughs> at when they were at uh, Mike's Tavern or something? Mike's Tavern. Yeah. And they were uh, it was the episode where Tim had had a dream. Uh, no, no, no. Oh, it was yeah. The episode where not the dream. It's he where saw he her uh, naked. walked into Nancy. Yeah. Na- naked. Yeah. And they were all dancing around, and uh, I think it was in the stinger of that episode too, where he turns to that guy to to dance, and he says, "I don't go in for that sort of thing." No, I think he, I, uh, I think he, he said it in the actual episode, and then in the stinger they replay the scene, and Tim says, "Do you want to dance?" And the guy says, "Yeah, sure," and they start dancing. Oh, that's right. Yeah, you're right. Yeah. Uh, Oof, we, well, man, I'm so not proud of myself back. for knowing all this. 
<laughs> I am. I'm very proud of you, Truman. Thank you, Landon. Um, That's our episode. Do you have anything we didn't cover? No, I don't, except for one thing. Uh? That's correct. How many grunts? The grunt can. Were there in this episode? So, uh, again, before you tell me your methodology, I... I counted one stray one. I think it was at the end of the episode. Um, it might have just been at the end of the scene where he's uh, devolving back into primitive man. He's, yeah, he's flowers for Algernoning it back into regular Tim. <laughs> uh, so the guess that I came up with was four. Mm, mm-hmm, 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 mm-hmm. Now tell me your methodology before you give us the official count here. So Tim, Tim attempting to grunt and failing does not count as grunts because Tim clearly R R R R. Yeah, hmm. that yeah, that's not working because he does okay. not. Cons- Tim doesn't consider them grunts, and if he doesn't think he's right. grunting, then he's not grunting. It has to be intentional. Okay. And so then, based on our previous uh, previous uh, decision that uh, that every grunt has to have, like what what denotes a grunt is that there is a hard attack on it. Uh, uh, uh. There's a, a stop yes. and endpoint to each, right? Well, yeah, not even a, if there's not, uh, ooh, mm, uh. yeah, e- e- or even if there's not necessarily a stop to each, that like there's a like a hard start again, like rrr, rrr, like that, you know, you, you, that uh-huh. it spikes, right? Okay, yeah, uh, understood. So, so with that in mind, well, you want me to say what the grunt count is now? Well, I made my guess. You it made was four. Okay. Well, okay. Well, you're not far <laughs> off. Mine is five, the the count that I've got because I because that first one that first grunt they they do kind of blend together but he clearly reattacks it in the middle so that's two okay and there's two more and then there's that last one right as we go to the credits so that's a total of five grunts five grunts okay I think the one that I missed was at the very very you're, you're saying the last one was in the stinger yeah uh, not in the stinger no but it was in uh, it was right before we go to the credits okay I did get that one so maybe I just miscounted the. Uh, you know, the amount of times he grunts during his de-evolution there. Yeah, I think so. I think uh, so. All right. The old Devo well, grunt. there you go. Uh, this was a um, non-start for our Chalupa Challenge this week anyway. Uh, sorry for you uh, patrons that are playing the game. Uh, we'll try and get you some free Chalupas next week. Now's not a great uh, time again. for free Chalupas anyway, so it, it might be okay <laughs> if we if we burn a few now. Uh, true, but you know, I, we can always send them the the gift certificates to the Chalupas, and they can spend it whenever they want to. That's fair. That's very true. That's very I'm very just true. To speak up for our patrons, and who's going to speak up for them if not for uh, you? I'm gonna I'm gonna task you with that uh, right. for taking that taking the potential Chalupas out of their mouth well, uh, by by thanking them. Well, you know, and and look, I do feel bad because we I've once again uh, burned our listeners, burned our patrons in, in particular uh, uh, by not, you know, not uh, performing well enough at the at the uh, well, title challenge. So I want to thank I think before we go into the thanks, I want to uh, delineate a rule right now so that we know um, moving forward. Mm-hmm. This episode didn't have a character actor, so would this entire episode be null and void as far as the Chulipa Challenge is concerned, or would that be a free pass in the ER, were they on ER Square on our Chulipa Challenge board? I feel like, I mean, I feel like it's hard enough already. We should give ourselves that option that we can still win, but I don't know. I, 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 leave, I leave it to, no, nah, actually it shouldn't count. If we're not playing the full game, it's not real. 
Okay. All right. All right. I just want to make sure we know the rules uh, for the next episode that doesn't have a guest star. And and now I want to take a second to thank and apologize to a list of patrons who could have had chalupas today had we not just made this uh, this rule. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank TJ. I want to thank Cheyenne. I want to thank Farah. And I want to thank Manbach. I want to thank Amber. But just them. What do you say? I said, but just them, not just, the other one. Just them. No, no, not yet. But then, then the next four on this list. Uh, yeah. When I say thank you, Amber, when I say thank you, Spencer, when I say thank you, Mason, and when I say thank you, Michael, uh, I, I, I think you said Michael already. Uh, no, I don't think I did. Okay. Or, or Michael got Sorry. thanked did twice. You... <laughs> I thanked Manbach. I didn't thank Michael. Did you thank TJ? I thanked TJ. And I thanked okay. Cheyenne. And I thanked Farah. And I thanked Manbach. Do you want me to go through and all of them again? <laughs> no, I don't. I want to end this episode because I've got uh, some cold pizza I want to eat. Oh, I, I, I'm hungry as well. And uh, so, yeah. So enough thanking you jerks. Um, <laughs> but yeah, seriously. But but thank you for sponsoring our show. What kind of witch cackle I just had there. Yeah. Uh, so it's a thought no, of pizza. I, I, have to, I want to apologize to all of our patrons as well. Oh, boy. Uh, and our general listeners. But uh, grunt work is made possible by people like our patrons. Uh, because if you enjoyed today's show, uh, you can help us create even better content i'm gonna take that part out you can help us continue making the show how about that yeah uh and by doing that you can consider becoming an official grunthead sponsor over at our patreon and when you do that for as little as one dollar a month you'll get access to our exclusive bonus content like our weekly grunt work nights episodes uh, and you can do that for any tier, but uh, if you decide to subscribe at one of our higher tiers, you can get also access. You also get access to some of our other fun benefits, which you can explore over at Patreon.com/GruntworkPod. Worth noting that right now we are not charging for the month of April, uh, just to give everybody's pocketbooks a little reprieve. So if you were interested in becoming uh, a Patreon sponsor and uh, didn't know. Look at this as your one month free trial. Yeah. You can you can sign in, you can get all of our entire backlog of Grunt Work Nights episodes free of charge, and then just uh, cancel your subscription before May 1st and you won't be charged. Uh, like, okay, Landon, well, maybe don't give them that tip. Like, we don't need to make it any easier for people to freeload off of our hard work. <laughs> uh, well, I won. I, well, whatever. I don't know. I'd rather have people listening to the show than not at all. Um, but whatever. We uh, we also were on the podcast catchers. Um, is that what you call those things? Uh, yeah, sure, sure. We're we're on. Okay. Yeah, we're in the podcast net. <laughs> the podcast verse. Uh, so wherever you're listening to this episode, be it on Apple Podcasts or elsewhere, uh, be sure to leave us a rating or review, um, which is the fastest and easiest way to support us and puts us in front of other new listeners so that uh, we can grow our list of people we thank every week and extend the length of the show uh, incrementally every time we record. Stop by and say hi to us on social media, uh, Twitter or Instagram, at GruntWorkPod. Uh, I have an update for you real quick. Yeah. Last week, during our Fear of Flying episode, uh, we speculated, is Mark Adorcus Malorcus or David Caruso 2.0? I put a poll out on Instagram Ooh. asking that very question. With his sunglasses on, is Mark Adorcus Malorcus? 75% people of people said yes, Mark is a Dorcas Malorcus. Fuck yeah! Okay, that's a big that's a big <laughs> win for Dorkai Malorkai all over the world. I think. <laughs> oh, you can find information on today's show on our website, which is www.grotworkpodcast.com. And while you're there, you can sign up for our weekly newsletter to be updated whenever a new episode is released, get the grunt count hint, as well as exclusive trivia and other shenanigans that we have going on around the the, the interwebs. Um, 
And I guess uh, until next week when we bring you another episode of this show that we call Home Improvements, I've been Landon Solano. I've been Truman Caps, And remember, for just $1 a month, your donations will help pay for a safe and welcoming place where middle-class heterosexual American white men can go to feel safe and secure in an increasingly sensitive and woman-y world. Please donate, won't you? Uh.